Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable. 
And you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, on GroundZero.radio in the Aftermath FM app. If you'd like to listen to the show after it airs, or at any other time, you can search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player or app, or just go to our website, you'll find all the links and a scroll-down archive for free at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to get the show without advertisements, however, you can subscribe to support what we do. We have a discounted subscription until the end of the year 2022. You get the show archive, the montages, my digital books, and a private RSS feed. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Find us on Twitter, tst underscore underscore radio, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. It is Friday, December 23rd, 2022, our last show before Christmas. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. Sunday, of course, is Christmas. We will be off Monday to have an extended three-day Christmas break. And I was thinking about why is it that holidays like Christmas feel, and maybe this is just me, so heavy. It feels so weightful. I thought maybe because people are stressed and worried about being able to see their families or they're worried about seeing their families if they're going to argue or fight with people or if it's going to be a good time or people are worried about making sure they get all the presents they're intending to buy or if they have all the food stuff they need to make Christmas dinner or Christmas Eve dinner. Of course, there are a lot of snowstorms, a lot of bad weather, so people are maybe worried about being able to even get home or to be able to travel for other reasons. So there's a lot of stress, but there's a lot of really good energy about holidays like Christmas. And I was thinking that I, I feel part of the reason that there's a heaviness, a weightfulness. It's not a negative weightfulness. It's not a stressful thing. It's just that Christmas as a holiday and Hanukkah and the winter solstice and all of the other associated parallel celebrations and traditions have been held for so long that this time of the year, not to mention the natural element of this, but this time of the year is like an energetic reservoir. And it's not just Christmas, it's Halloween, it's Easter, maybe even Valentine's Day. It's an energetic reservoir. In the same way that if you look at a statue of, let's say, Isis, Even if you don't know anything else about Egyptian mythology, chances are you know who Isis is, and you might be able to tell us a little bit about Isis. You know, she's got horns, or she carries an ankh, or she carries a staff, or whatever. But Isis is a very well-known goddess. So even if you're not really into Egyptian mythology, you probably know who Isis is, in the same way that you probably know who Anubis is, even if you don't know much more about Egyptian mythology. In ceremonial magic, magicians will use gods and goddesses and spirits that resonate with them. Maybe that's Aphrodite. Maybe that's Minerva. Maybe that's an archangel. Maybe that's Isis. And they do that because those ideas, even if, let's say, you you resonate with a certain god or a certain goddess, a certain idea, and it might not be the most popular deity, but if you resonate with it, then that's what 
you should be using because you can more easily draw energy from that idea, from that thing you're focusing on. Other people choose to use gods and goddesses and spirits, etc., because there's such a wealth of energy that you don't really have to do much excessive work because there's so much power in the idea. And it's, it's buried in your conscious, unconscious, and subconscious mind, which is what magical work is really all about. So my point is, Christmas time, as a, as a day and as a time of the year, is really a giant reservoir of energy in the same way that, let's say, a, a statue or a depiction of Isis or Osiris, or here on my desk I have a statue of Mithra slaying the bull. I have a little gray alien head that Jonathan Fuller sent me. I have a Braxton monster. I have an Anubis statue. I've got a bunch of little tiny statues here on my desk. I've got some little, little green alien statues. All these things have power in their own right, and they're all, some more than others, reservoirs of energy that can be tapped into. And again, Christmas time is no different. The figure, the image that is, for a lot of us, most relevant for Christmas time, I think is more so than even a Christmas tree. It's, it's, it's that of Santa Claus and what Santa Claus represents. Santa Claus is famous because he has his bag of gifts that he brings us, right? He brings us presents and he brings us joy and he brings us, you know, the, the, the seasonal qualities of, of what we would like culturally and traditionally to be associated with this time of the year. So Santa Claus brings his bag of gifts. He rides on his sleigh. He has eight reindeer. He has a long white beard. He has a very festive outfit. And depending on where you live in the world, Santa Claus might appear in different forums. His original outfit was not red and white. It was blue and white. And in the West, we know Santa Claus largely because of Coca-Cola and Macy's department store. But Santa Claus is not just the Santa Claus that we know in the West because of commercialization. Santa Claus has his origins in mythology, in that of the god Odin and his many-legged horse. Odin has a horse named Sleipnir, S-L-E-I-P-N-I-R, which is derived from Old Norse, which means slippy or sliding. So he has an eight-legged horse named Slippy, essentially, or sliding, which relates to sleighs, which slide on the snow and ice. So Odin effectively had eight reindeer and a sled. Odin also lives in the north, very cold climate, has a long white beard, and brings good fortune to people. So Odin is basically Santa Claus. But there are other traditions of Santa Claus where he's not so godlike. He's more of an idea, like Father Christmas, the European tradition, the English tradition. In shamanistic culture, we have the fly agaric mushrooms that are red and white, traditional Christmas Santa Claus colors. Shamans dress in red clothing with white dots, just like the mushrooms. And that red clothing and the white dots, just like those fly garrick mushrooms, means that the shaman essentially becomes the mushroom. And those mushrooms grow under trees like presents. They are plucked out of the ground and hung on trees like ornaments. And when you pop those mushrooms in your mouth, you have a very interesting experience. I've never done them, but people have told me 
you take various forms of hallucinogenic substances and, well, they cause hallucinations. You might see machine elves, like with DMT, or you might see just regular old elves or gnomes or goblins or something to that effect. Well, those are like Santa's helpers. You might see flying animals because you're hallucinating, especially in the Arctic region where you have reindeer. You might see those reindeer flying across the sky. In the same way that traditionally, witches would apply a solve to their broomsticks and they would, in a sexual manner, ride the broomsticks, and that salt that they applied had a substance in it that made them hallucinate, sometimes convulse and pass out, and they believed that they were communing with the devil and attending the black mass and all of that. But it was all a hallucination, just like the shamans and their fly agaric mushrooms. So Santa Claus has a lot of things, and Santa Claus is found all throughout the world and I say Santa Claus is more popular and probably the most iconic symbol of, of Christmas. Not, I mean, I, I would say more so than Jesus. I mean, you might say the season's about Jesus. That's fine. I understand that. But like Santa Claus as an idea is more prevalent and more widespread than really any of the other Christmas traditions, largely because you think of a Christmas tree. We might think of a Christmas tree in the West, but that's a very European Germanic tradition. That's not something that is practice throughout the rest of the world, although, you know, some some cultures, most cultures, uh, do things that are um, in, in line with nature. So they bring, you know, plants or greens into their homes, and it's what I call vegetation veneration. A little different than the Christmas tree, but it's the same kind of an idea. So, but Santa Claus can be found everywhere. And Santa Claus is this positive, joyous, jolly fellow. But Santa Claus also has a dark counterpart. Santa Claus has a dark counterpart we know as Krampus, or some pronounce the name Krampus. Now, Krampus is not necessarily known all throughout the world like Santa Claus is, and there are other versions of Krampus. Krampus is more of a, of a European folklore. He is a horned anthropomorphic figure who scares children who have misbehaved. Usually he whips them. Krampus would actually be the, the more likely figure, the more likely character to bring bad children things like coal. I would imagine that at some point we'll probably uh, ban the story of Santa Claus and the naughty children because, you know, coal is dirty for the environment, but that's that's a whole other thing. It's not that green. One what Santa's sleigh flies on. I, I bet it's not electric. But that's, again, that's, a, that's something for another show, show that we can talk about. But Krampus would bring you the coal. Krampus punishes you. Krampus would whip the children for not doing the right thing. Now, we've gotten rid of that idea, largely. And today, it's just Santa Claus, and he brings you gifts, and that's really the end of it. But even that, even that idea of Santa Claus is changing and changing rapidly, like really rapidly. In the last couple of years, including this year, we've seen movies where Santa Claus is kind of like this aggressive and violent character. Violent Knight, Fat Man, I believe was the name of the movie with Mel Gibson. Santa's kind of this badass character. And now there's a new movie coming out 
not so much about Santa Claus. It's a Christmas movie, I guess. It's a horror movie. And that movie is called, very similar to the Krampus movie that came out a few years ago, or probably way more. I've actually never seen that movie. That was many, many years ago. Uh, This movie is the mean one, the horror movie, the mean one. And it's about the Grinch. So Santa Claus movies are basically turning violent. You had Bad Santa, you know, which is just this drunken Santa Claus, Billy Bob Thornton, Violent Night, Fat Man, The Mean One, which is a Grinch story. And then the Krampus movie that came out, that was 2015. I just looked it up, the Krampus movie that came out. So you've got a transition in how Santa Claus is seen culturally. And then even his dark, counterpart, if you will, Krampus or, well, the Grinch, these characters have been made even more aggressive and, 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 and let's say, violent than even the tradition holds. In the sense that if you watch The Grinch, I just watched The Grinch with Jim Carrey. It's one of my favorite movies, the favorite Christmas movies. Uh, I don't know how I feel about Jim Carrey anymore, but that is one of the best Christmas, Christmas movies I think ever made. Uh, and that Grinch movie is, you know, it's comical. Uh, it's not really a, it's not definitely not a horror movie. It's, it tells a, tells a story and, you know, it's really, it's not so much Santa Claus and the Grinch. It's more so Cindy and the Grinch. And Cindy is this innocent girl who's asking all the right questions and she's pushing back against the, the, uh, the authority and the, and what the adults are saying should and shouldn't be done. So she's this innocence, this sweetness, this love. And then the Grinch is this, you know, mean, aggressive, kind of angry, depressed character. And throughout the movie, they help to, you know, they help to change each other and it, it balances out. Those archetypes are present. That's why movies like this are so good because they, they focus on the archetypes rather than social justice issues. And um, in the end, the Grinch's heart grows three sizes. So the Grinch is this mean, aggressive character, but in the end, the Grinch comes out and he's he's a much better person. He's cutting the, he's what is it the the raw who roast beast? He's cutting that at the end. He, t- he takes the gizzard. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite Christmas movies outside of Christmas Vacation. Um, also, I what I have not watched this year yet is um, I haven't watched Elf and I haven't watched Turbo Man. I'm going to watch Elf and Turbo Man probably this weekend, probably Christmas Christmas Eve movies. Um, I actually haven't watched Christmas Vacation either, so I got a lot of movies to watch this weekend. So anyway, The Grinch, Krampus, Santa Claus, even the ideas of the dark counterpart of Santa Claus are changing. Where now the Grinch is just this violent character. There's no, there's no, you know, remorse. There's no change. There's no character development. It's just violence. In the same way with Krampus, in the same way with Santa Claus, and therefore Santa Claus, as an idea. And Krampus or the Grinch as an idea can kind of be because they are ultimately one and the same. They're different expressions. They're kind of like, uh, if you think, to give you another example, they're kind of like the idea of the werewolf. Right? A werewolf is a person, usually a man, who can transform into this vicious creature. Now, when we look back in history, we might think, oh, there might have actually been people who could change into wolves, like some Twilight stuff. What it probably means, though, is that someone gets so pumped up, so angry or so ready to go into battle, like that movie, The, the Northman. 
that they almost become like animals. So they're described as something inhuman. So they're described as, well, a beast, like the beauty in the beast. The beast is really a prince. They're described as this beast. So that's kind of the, the idea of the werewolf. Similar kind of a thing with Santa Claus. Santa Claus, Krampus, the Grinch, they're really expressions of the same thing. Now, these ideas can also be applied to contemporary events and that of, well, let's just look at government in general. Government officials who supposedly represent the people live wealthy, extravagant lives equivalent to some mystical character living at the North Pole. We don't know how Santa lives, but we imagine his workshop is very large and Santa's got a lot of money and Santa's he has these magical powers and he lives in this faraway place called the North Pole, just like Odin. And our government officials, our representatives live in this faraway place that unless you live there, it's this faraway mystical, magical land famous for its corruption known as Washington, D.C. And every year, just like Santa Claus, just like kids told to be good, be, not, be nice, don't be naughty, and you'll get presents, every year we're asked to believe in the power of government. We're told that if we're nice citizens, if you're nice citizens and you're not naughty, and if you vote the right way, then you'll be rewarded. So government hands out a few dollars of free money here for uh, pandemic relief, a few dollars of free money here for gas relief, a few dollars of free money here and food stamps, and they tell us it's a gift. It's free. Nothing's really free, but they tell us it's a gift. They keep the rest, of course, but they tell us it's a gift. The way that most government officials act is really more akin to the Grinch or to Krampus. The Grinch, as, a, as an idea, is a trickster who takes presents and destroys them, or who rearranges the order of things, like, you know, blackmail, blackmail, pink slip, pink slip, jury duty, jury duty, it's one of, the, <laughs> one of the best Christmas scenes. He rearranges things. He creates chaos. So the Grinch is Saturnistic. It's much like the Lords of Misrule, which is a tradition in Rome where the poor people and the rich people would change. I don't know how it went down, but they would... The story is they would change uh, the lots of their life for a few hours. So the poor would become wealthy. The wealthy would become poor just for a few hours during the Saturnalia celebration, which was actually something that took place over several days. Uh, the Lords of Misrule was something that took place usually a singular day, but it could be stretched out over or over several days. We don't exactly know how they, they celebrated this. We just know that this was one of their basically their Christmas tradition in Rome. So this is the Saturnalia celebration, Lords of Misrule. The Grinch is basically Saturn. So it's Grincharnalia, if you will. Ultimately, if you think about this, the Grinch hates Christmas, right? He wants to destroy it. He doesn't really understand the meaning of Christmas. He thinks it's all about gifts. He thinks it's all about presents, right? I found so many Christmas neckties in the garbage, I could hang myself. He thinks it's all about gifts. He doesn't really understand. So Cindy has to help the Grinch understand. Grinch doesn't really understand. Government doesn't really understand. Government officials act very much in the same way. In fact, they seem to hate America. Like, really, I think government officials, they seem to actually hate the country and the people they represent. They take our money and they give it to foreign dictators. 
They take our money and they give it to illegal immigrants. They're more concerned about border security in a country literally on the other side of the world than they are about border security here in the country and the people that they represent. They're more concerned about people who are not citizens than people who are citizens. They seem to hate America. They seem to not understand what America is about. They seem to take the ideas of America like, well, give us your tired and your poor, you know, that that famous poem. And that means everybody's welcome and don't actually have to do any work. You can just come here and we'll give you everything. It's like a really dark Robin Hood story. They take from the people who have it and they give to the people who don't have it, except the people that don't have anything don't have anything because they're coming here illegally and they're trying and they're not they're not trying to get jobs. Uh, and they are basically a, a branch of the political establishment that is allowing them to come here as long as they continue to vote for those people in power. That's where all of our tax dollars are going to finance things like that and to finance Zelensky's, you know, Nazi party in Ukraine. So our government officials seem to hate America and they don't seem to understand America is more than just the wealth and abundance that we have to just give away like presents on Christmas Day to be handed out to the highest bidder or the most marginalized group perceptually so that they can be controlled. Government in that way is very much like the Grinch. They don't really understand it. They don't really care to understand it. They just, they're just making a scene to make a scene and they're just destroying things and breaking things to destroy things and break things, thinking that that's what makes us American is that the money that we have, the wealth that we have, the abundance that we have, but that's not what makes us America American. That's not what makes this America. That's just a byproduct of the American idea. It's not about gifts and presents. It's about something more than that. Likewise, the government is also like Krampus because Krampus comes to punish those who, well, they don't fall into line, those who are naughty. With all the false promises, all the gobbling up of resources, all the money handing out, handed out to foreign dictators and money laundering schemes, you can see that, like the Grinch, they don't really care about America. They don't really care about, care about Christmas. In fact, they hate Christmas. They hate America. And every good, decent, moral thing, everything worth anything of value, has been put in the Grinch's sleigh. It's been taken to the top of Mount Crumpet, where they intend to dump it. Of course, Mount Crumpet is, well, Krampus or Krampus. As they intend to dump all of the wealth and all of the things they think are the foundations of Christmas, the foundations of America, Krampus is here to give us not what we've earned by being nice, but give us what we deserve. And that is a big bag of coal. And I think one of the reasons that we deserve that coal is because we don't have any self-respect. We don't have any respect for ourselves. We don't have any respect for people in our community. We don't have any respect for our government. We don't have any respect for our country. We don't have respect uh, for even, you know, the archetypes that uh, the myths that really form the foundation of who we are as a people. We distort Santa Claus and we take a benevolent Santa Claus and make him malevolent. We take a malevolent Krampus and we try to make him comical. SNL just had a, a skit where they had Krampus as this LGBTQ social justice character. Uh, we take things that are good and make them bad, things that are bad and make them good. We distort them, we twist them, we invert them. This is the work of the Lords of Misrule, the work of the trickster, the work of the Grinch. And the Grinch intends to dump his load on top of Mount Crumpet. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. 
The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. When you think about Santa Claus and you think about Krampus and you think about the Grinch, on the surface, these seem to be distinct characters, especially Santa and Krampus. Although Santa exists in some version or some form all around the world, Krampus is a character that really is part of Eastern and Central European mythology and lore. But Santa Claus and Krampus share a lot in common, much like God and the devil. The devil punishes those people who don't do the right thing in the eyes of God. Krampus punishes those kids who don't do the right things in the eyes of Santa. Santa takes care of the nice list. Krampus takes care of the naughty list. The Grinch is a similar kind of a character to Krampus. The Grinch is a character that creates disorder and chaos and confusion just for the sake of it. And in the end of the Grinch story, the Grinch does find balance and his heart grows and it's a positive ending. Krampus doesn't really have that kind of an ending. Krampus comes and, well, takes children, kidnaps children, beats children. He's the one that really brings you the coal and the things that Santa Claus otherwise would have to drag on his sleigh to deliver to kids all over the world. Krampus does, does that. But when I grew up, we didn't know about Krampus. Santa Claus was all that we knew. We knew Santa bring coal if we were bad, those kinds of things. And now it seems like you don't even need Krampus. You don't even need the Grinch. When you do have Krampus or you do have the Grinch, they're in horror movies. Krampus in 2015 is a horror movie. 
The Mean One is a Grinch horror movie coming out this year. But the Santa Claus story has also turned very dark. Santa Claus has been depicted in a number of ways throughout various cultures, but now Santa Claus is violent and Santa Claus is, is a killer and Santa Claus is, is basically a psychopath. So there's no balance. The Grinch can't be a psycho, Santa Claus can't be a psycho, and Krampus can't be a psycho. There, there's no balance to that. It's all imbalance. Much like we discussed last night with the idea of obscenity and decency and modesty. Well, there are certain things that are artistic, certain things that are certainly uh, variably obscene. If children see them, they're obscene. If adults see them, not so much. But when we don't have a guidepost, when we don't have kind of a line drawn in the sand, then everything falls into, well, basically a state of misrule. Like the Saturnalia tradition of misrule or the lords of misrule, where people switched positions. The servants basically became masters. The masters became servants. And it was a ritualistic celebration of, well, the Lord of Chaos, Saturn, Saturnalia. You could also call it Grinch, Analia, because the Grinch is basically Saturn in that uh, case, in that story. So of all of these things, we can apply our understanding of them to government. Government is very much like the Grinch, very much like Krampus. Government officials who represent the people supposedly live wealthy, extravagant lives, kind of like, uh, you know, Santa Claus living in the, uh, the North Pole. This big, giant workshop, and imagine all the money that has to go into maintaining that, except they live in Washington, D.C., our government, uh, government officials do. And every year we're asked to believe in their power, and if we believe in their power and we do the right thing, and we're nice citizens, and we vote the right way, then we'll be rewarded. But ultimately, outside of a few free handouts, we're not rewarded. No matter what we do, we're punished in the end by Krampus, which means that whether Santa is a good guy, a bad guy, if he's violent, or if he's kind, if he's joyous and whatnot, or if he's really angry and depressed, we don't even need Santa Claus anymore. We've merged all these characters into one giant monster where no matter what we do at the end of the day at the end of the year we are presented with a big bag of coal which i know isn't that green so maybe it's a big bag of electric car batteries we're presented with a whip for which we are whipped with and beaten into submission that's how the trauma-based mind control works and whether it's trauma-based mind control, Stockholm Syndrome, obsessive-compulsive disorder, a belief in fallacies, uh, you know, basically we have a, a language now that is dictated by fallacy. You believe this or you're that or you believe that or you're this. Strawman arguments. I mean, nothing is based on logic or reason at all. So when, let's say, for example, you looked at the U.S. Congress welcoming Zelensky, president of Ukraine, and you see them holding up that Ukrainian flag in our Congress, the heart of our government. And you see and listen to Zelensky basically demand that our government gives him more money. He's been a good guy. He's been nice. So he needs more money. 
he needs more military aid. And he said that that military aid is not a gift. It's an investment. An investment in what? Well, he wasn't very specific about that. But nonetheless, Zelensky is in Congress and he's treated like this celebrity, right? Treated like he's a a god or a king. The media is referring to him as Winston Churchill, which is kind of funny because his military is supported by actual Nazis. Not all Nazis Nazis are anti-Semites, of course, but Winston Churchill was a a crazy anti-Semite. Crazy anti-Semite. Zelensky is apparently giving these congressmen, these congresswomen, something in return for all the money that they've turned over to him and his regime. Otherwise, why does virtually everybody, but a handful of congressmen and congresswomen, why is everybody clapping unison? Why is everybody look at this guy like he's Jesus Christ, shaking his hand and and, and smiling, and they're, they're so excited, they're so happy to see him. You watch Nancy Pelosi walking out of the out of the chamber and saying this is one of the finest speeches I've ever heard in Congress, given not by a congressman, but by a dictator in a in a sweatshirt. Kind of seems weird. Kind of feels weird. They more they'd rather fly the Ukrainian flag. They're more concerned about Ukraine's border, not our border. They'll give them unlimited money, whether Republican or Democrat. They all seem to agree on that. They can't agree on anything else. Something is is weird. Something is kind of, I don't know, wrong there. And I think it has a lot to do with the Grinch mentality or the Grinch ideology. And that is, Grinch doesn't understand Christmas. Grinch is really upset about his past. He wants to destroy it. He doesn't understand the deeper meaning. He doesn't really care to understand the deeper meaning. Government officials act in the same way. They don't really care about America. They don't care about the people that elected them or selected them. They don't care about representing those people's interests or the interests of their states. They hate America. They hate Christmas. All they think America is, all they think Christmas is, is just a big bag of gifts that they can hand out to anybody and everybody so long as it gets them more political power. Since they don't understand America, just like Christmas, they think America is all about wealth and abundance Just like Christmas, the Grinch thinks it's all about presents. They don't understand that the wealth and the abundance is a result of adhering to the principles that founded the country in the same way that Christmas presents are a result of adhering to the foundational principles of what Christmas is. The ultimate gift is what the sun gives us. The sun gives us light and warmth. The sun provides us with protection like the son of God. And ultimately, as that is the, the, the biggest gift that, that we receive from God, from the Son, from Jesus, from whoever, whomever, whatever, uh, the gifts that we receive on Christmas are just extensions of that. They're not the reason for Christmas. They are a result of surviving another year and the Son coming back to save us before we... Um, we succumb to uh, exposure of the weather, we, we die of starvation, all the things that the pale horse, which is the horse of a light green, light yellow color, chloros, like chlorophyll, 
This is all the stuff that that horse brings us in the fourth part of the year, which in Revelation is the fourth part of the earth, and that horse brings death, sword for chaos and 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 killing people, and uh, of course uh, beasts upon the earth and a whole bunch of other things. The pale horse basically brings and, and is ridden by death, brings death and chaos and hell. Hell comes with that horse. Hell is, of course, cold. Hell is dark. Hell is damp. Hell is miserable. Well, that's kind of like, well, the winter months, right? And we are saved when the sun begins to rise again, when the white horse of the apocalypse rides in the spring. But until then, we have to contend with the pale horse. And the pale yellow, pale green can be seen in the changing of the colors of leaves that they don't have the sunlight, they don't have the chlorophyll, so they change colors and they die. And then things, of course, later are regenerated and things are rebirthed. So just like with the Grinch, government officials that we have don't seem to really understand how government works. The Grinch doesn't really understand how Christmas works, what the purpose of Christmas is. So he tries to destroy things, switches things up, like the Lords of Misrule, like Saturnalia, tries to create conflict for conflict's sake. It's really weird to watch Zelensky in Congress with the Ukrainian flag, with no suit, demanding more money out of our government. It's really weird to watch that. It's really weird when over and over and over again, you see that all the stories out of Ukraine, all these stories that we've talked about before, the Ghost of Kiev and the Snake Island story and even the, the, even the Russian story, uh, you know, the um, nuclear reactors and all that, it's, it's all made up. All of it's made up. We just found out the mainstream media reported, was it yesterday, that Russia didn't sabotage the Nord Stream pipeline. We knew that. We played the clip of Biden saying he was going to take it out. And then it blows up. And the U.S. Navy had an exercise in that area right before it blew up, conveniently. So there's vindication from that. And I, I heard that yesterday and I thought, why is that not mainstream news? We, we were told that the Russians did it. I knew the Russians didn't do it. Biden said he was going to blow it up. And then they admit, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, the Russians didn't do it. It's basically the U.S. government that was responsible for that, that massive amount of methane that was dumped into the atmosphere. One of the largest... Uh, Largest exposures, I think, ever to that much methane. But even though it's, what, 10 times heavier than carbon dioxide, that doesn't matter. A lot of other things have happened recently, like Nord Stream. How about the JFK files? Did you hear about those? I didn't until a couple days ago. The Biden administration declassified last week a new clue in the relationship between Lee Harvey Oswald and the Central Intelligence Agency. Among the intersections between Oswald and the CIA, his time as a young Marine uh, at a naval air facility in Japan uh, is something that has been revealed. Uh, a new document released in full shows how Oswald's time in Japan, uh, along with the CIA's response to testimony from a former agency, uh, uh, I think it was an agency accountant, show that the CIA had employed Oswald, who, of course, later went on to officially assassinate JFK, before the CIA had said they did not have 
these connections to Oswald. Now, new documents show the CIA had worked with Oswald. They had uh, basically um, kind of like the Dalai Lama. He had been on the CIA's payroll. They paid him. They worked with him. Whether he was a patsy or whatever he was, the CIA worked with him despite having having uh, denied that before. In the same way that the Pentagon and Twitter worked together to censor information online. In the same way that the Biden campaign worked with Twitter to censor information that the Biden campaign didn't like. Collusion between big government and big tech. Big intel agencies, the Central Intelligence Agency, working with Oswald, colluding with Oswald to assassinate a sitting president in 1963. You would think that would be bigger news. You would think that all the people who made documentaries and wrote books and talked about it on radio would all be vindicated. I feel vindicated. I wasn't alive in 1963. I learned about the story of Oswald and the CIA and all that stuff. I learned about that from a, my history teacher who was, he didn't believe that Oswald killed Kennedy. I learned about that in AP history in like 11th or 12th grade. And then, you know, I read, uh, you know, a bunch of books on the subject and I was never convinced that Oswald was acting alone and killing Kennedy. Here's new information showing that the CIA had, well, they lied about having a connection to Oswald. That's big, but it goes unnoticed, just like the Nord Stream admission that Russia really didn't do it. It was, well, it's probably the U.S. government. JFK was assassinated by Oswald, who had a connection to the CIA, but nobody really cares. UFO files. How about UFO files? Over the last six months, the office called AARO, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, has received hundreds of new UFO reports from U.S. military personnel, according to Office Director Sean Kirkpatrick and the Associated Press. That adds officially to more than 140 UFO sightings reported by the military between 2004 and 2021, which were described recently in that June 2021 Pentagon report. These new reports filed this year by personnel in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, etc., describe UAPs sighted in the air, underwater, and in space. All three places, in the air, underwater, and in space. Do you think that there's any vindication for UFO enthusiasts? I mean, we've, we've learned now that the government pretty much every day, all the time, they're seeing these things in space. USOs underwater, UFOs, UAPs in the air. We learned that the CIA had a hand in killing a president. We learned that the United States is largely responsible, if not 100% directly responsible, for sabotaging the Nord Stream pipeline. A new study also has once again proven that you don't need a vaccine. The Washington Post published a study showing that men and women who worked out for 30 minutes most days were four times more likely to survive COVID-19 than inactive people. In other words, according to the study, if you exercise or you're physically active, you will not die or get severely sick from COVID-19. But we already knew that. Uh, it's the same reason why pharmaceutical companies said if you're obese, vaccines won't work on you. It's because the vaccines don't work at all. And if you're obese, you're sick for other reasons. A vaccine isn't going to make you less sick. It's going to make you more sick. If you're obese, if you're not active, that's one of the major reasons why you're sick. I want you to think about that. 
The Nord Stream pipeline turns out it wasn't the Russians. JFK turns out it wasn't just Oswald. The UFO files turns out the government has been tracking this and the military sees this stuff almost every day. Turns out if you just take a walk, it's more effective than a vaccine in essence. I mean, these are all big stories. But we're not allowed to really know about these stories. You would think these would all be, you know, top news everywhere you looked, but virtually nothing. All people care about is this weird fetish for Ukraine, this weird fetish for Zelensky, this weird fetish for the Ukrainian border, but not our own border. That's the lords of misrule actively at work. That's the Saturnalia tradition actively being celebrated. That's Grinchmas. Our government leaders don't really understand America. They don't really care about America. So they're going to mess things up just for the hell of it. That's what the Grinch does. The Grinch doesn't really understand Christmas. So he just messes things up, creates chaos and disorganization just because he can. Thinking it's all about presence when it's not about presence. In the same way that America is not about wealth. Wealth is a byproduct of the idea that is America. So we've learned all of these things recently about CIA assassinating JFK, government tracking, the military tracking UFOs on a regular basis in the air, underwater, and in space. That basically, the Washington Post reported this, people who worked out as little as 11 minutes a week, 11 minutes a week, 11 minutes a week, you masturbate more than that on average. You, you spend time in the, in the kitchen making coffee for 11 minutes every morning. You know, it, it, it's 11 minutes of exercise and you don't and you essentially you just won't get COVID. So what is the point of doing anything like masking or vaccinating if you can just for 11 minutes take a walk and you're and you're and you're healthy? All of the. The narrative is is falling apart. And all the people who said, if you exercise, you won't get COVID. If you're healthy, you won't get COVID. If you look up in the sky, you'll see things that are very strange. It's not that they're alien spaceships, but the government's known about them for a long time. People that say, yeah, JFK was definitely assassinated as part of a CIA plot. People that say, yeah, Joe Biden said he was going to blow up the Nord Stream pipeline. People that said those things, well, they're naughty. They get whipped by Krampus. They get coal in their stockings or car electric car batteries because coal is too dirty. They get punished because they didn't do the right thing. They're on the naughty list of government officials in the media. Because the naughty list, nice the nice list, the naughty list, the nice and naughty, naughty and nice list has been inverted. So if you're a good person, you're on the naughty list now. And if you're a bad person, you're on the nice list. That's why people that break the law are treated like celebrities. They're treated like uh, heroes. That's why people that come into the country illegally are treated like, well, they're treated like celebrities, like diplomats. They have immunity to everything. We give them things. That's why foreign countries run by dictators who suppress religion, free speech, free press, etc. and put civilians in harm's way by parking military equipment next to schools and hospitals according to Amnesty International. That's why we look at him as like a folk hero. That's why the mainstream media compared 
Zelensky to Winston Churchill, which it's really strange, really strange when media refers to Zelensky as Winston Churchill or when the media refers to the banning of sexually explicit material in schools as book burning. And they say it's Hitlerian. What's funny about both of these cases is in the case of the book burning, as we talked about last night, what Hitler and the Nazis generally burned was smut, was pornography, was the perversity that was published and made available to young people in particular in the 1920s in the LGBTQ Weimar Berlin years. That's what the Nazis were burning. That's what the Nazis were getting rid of. Otherwise, Hitler loved art, loved literature, and wanted to preserve it. Doesn't mean Hitler's a good guy, but we need context. In the same way Zelensky is like Winston Churchill, yeah, he actually is like Winston Churchill. Because Adolf Hitler went to Winston Churchill on several occasions and said, I want an alliance with the British, because he admired the British, admittedly, because the British founded the idea of, of eugenics. Racial hygiene, racial superiority. That was a British invention. So he went to the British and said, I want an alliance to defeat the communists in Russia. The British didn't want anything to do with that alliance. The British were bombing civilian neighborhoods in Germany. Hitler went to the British and said, actually, if you stop doing that um, and instead attack military targets, we won't be forced to attack civilians in your country. Churchill said, F you. That's when Blitzkrieg started. We need context. It doesn't mean Hitler was a good guy. But Hitler was really no more evil than Winston Churchill was. Winston Churchill was a, was a, was a dirty piece of trash. Just like you know, most leaders, most of our presidents, most, most people that represent you know, their countries. They're, they're liars, they're scumbags. To get to that position of power... You have to be Winston Churchill. You read his writings. Winston Churchill was a, was a bigot. He was a racist. He was an he was an actual anti semite. He he legitimately hated Jewish people, which is ironic because even in Hitler's writings, Hitler wrote about how he was disturbed by the fact that Jewish people had so much power when they weren't actually Jewish people when they were in, in his country in, in Germany uh, essentially illegally and were refusing to assimilate to the culture. It disturbed him, and he was saddened by it. If you read Mein Kampf, but Winston Churchill just outright hated Jews. So, yeah, Zelensky is kind of like Winston Churchill. He bombs civilian neighborhoods. He puts his own people at risk. He censors, blocks, and bans things he doesn't like, and he helps, well, largely the Democratic Party, but also the Republican Party, launder money. That's why we keep giving him all this money. They treat him like a saint, like a god. I mean, listen to this. Uh, this clip from PBS of Zelensky walking through Congress, it's almost like he, he, he's being treated like our president or he's being treated like some kind of celebrity. And there he is. Yes, that was uh, President Zelensky dressed in his traditional fatigues, his uh, sweater, what, what we see him wearing when we see him appearing on television frequently, frequently from uh, from Ukraine. There he is. You can see a number of members of Congress again, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. It's like a red carpet Senator event. Mitch McConnell there seated on opposite sides of the aisle. And as we say, you can't stress enough, it's one of the rare moments when the two sides are, are in some agreement. So here he is. He's greeting Vice President Kamala Harris. 
and uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So, and receiving what is clearly a warm welcome from both sides of the aisle. You wonder why these people can't agree on anything, but they all agree on this, minus a handful of them. And then here's Nancy Pelosi after Zelensky's address where he's reading the script. It was one of the finest speeches I've ever heard in the Congress. One of the finest speeches she's ever heard in the Congress, a man who sat there, who stood there and demanded more and 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 more money. Something is wrong here. Something is weird here. And we've already found out a lot of those Ukrainian stories are false. You know, the ghost of Kiev Snake Island stuff. And you'll find out that they're run by Nazis. And just like government monitoring UFOs or the CIA killing Kennedy or exercise 11 minutes a week, you, you won't get COVID. You'll eventually find out that they're run by Nazis and that, you know, the whole thing is really just a big scam. And at the end of the day, what does it matter? Because people just move on to the next thing. And uh, as long as they get their, you know, their little handouts, everybody's happy. Uh, it's it's like it's just it's it's Grinchmas. Our Congress doesn't understand America. The Grinch doesn't understand Christmas. They just want to destroy things and give things away and act like they're heroes. It's just a weird, delusional state. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. When we come back from break, we're going to look at the long tradition of Christmas, Christmas traditions themselves, and a little bit more about Santa Claus and Krampus right here on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. is the secret teachings if you'd like to contact the show email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings the secret teachings radio show is on facebook and twitter just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and tst underscore underscore radio to tweet with us if you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. 
This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. listening to the secret teachings radio hour number two i'm ryan gable your host and i looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth revelation 6 8 it is a revelation of the methods of nature it is an apocalypse, an unveiling of the cycles of nature, of the divine plan of God, if you will. The pale horse is, of course, of course, the pale yellow, pale green, leaf-like horse. Leaf-like because, well, the pale horse is chloros, like chlorophyll. And when leaves don't have chlorophyll, when leaves don't have access to sunlight, Trees and plants start to die in the wintertime. They go dormant. The leaves first turn a variety of colors like orange and red and yellow, and then they drop off. They turn brown and crumble up, and they die, and they get frozen in that water and ice and snow. The pale horse is basically a leaf. It signifies that death is coming. That's why Revelation 6.8 says, Behold a pale horse. Behold, the leaves are falling. And his name that sat on him was Death. Death was on the horse. The leaves falling indicate that we are falling, like the fall of man, into dark days. Into a time of judgment. Hell follows the rider of the horse and the horse. Hell is cold, dark, icy, miserable. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth. Hell, death, the pale horse, the leaves falling, the fourth part of the earth. That's fall or the fall of man into winter. That cold air, that cold chill is like a sword cut in your skin. Dying because of hunger, because you didn't prepare for the winter, because... You didn't have enough food. Fighting with the beasts of the earth for the remaining scraps that are left. And then in the springtime, there's resurrection. The sun becomes much more powerful. More light, more warmth, longer days. The days begin to conquer the nights, and we find ourselves in a different situation. The white horse of the apocalypse, then red, then black, then pale again. It's a cycle, as I've said many times here on The Secret Teachings. A beautiful cycle. It actually indicates that in the Bible, there's a lot of what we would call generally today science. Science is real. Science is good. Science is cool. Well, the Bible, just like the Quran, is a very scientific text. So are the Vedas. So are, well, most religious texts. A lot of traditions and beliefs are actually rooted in Science, to some degree, to some extent. So you look at the Bible from that perspective, and you can see that whoever wrote the book of Revelation, 
we're told, you know, who wrote the book of Revelation, Revelations of St. John, but perhaps it was written by several different characters. Nevertheless, when we look at these books of the Bible, when we look at these religious texts, it's kind of like when we look at the stories of Santa Claus or the stories of his eight reindeer, and we look at the different things that this character brings us. We look at the different things that we are promised if we behave what we might receive, gifts, whatever we want. Santa Claus, as I've said before, is the clause, the contract that we make with powerful forces. And if we do the right thing, we are rewarded. If we do the wrong thing, we're punished. Santa Claus does most of the punishing in the Western world. But in large parts of the Western world, in Central and Eastern Europe, which isn't so West, but even in parts of Western Europe, another character does the punishing. That is Krampus, who kidnaps children, beats children, in effect delivering the coal, and in some cases even eats children, kind of like Saturn. Saturn eats children, but Saturn eating his children is really a metaphor. It represents, since Saturn is an agricultural god, Saturn plants the seeds of our destruction inside of us. We are his children in this physical world, and when it is our time to go, he cuts us down with the scythe, and he consumes us. So what do we do during the harvest season? We cut down Saturn, and we consume him in a last supper with the bread, with the wine, just like the story of Christ which focuses on the Holy Grail, the Sangrail, the Holy Blood, the womb, if you will, whether that's a woman's womb or it's the vessel for the blood, a vessel in some other capacity, like a, a, a pot or a cup or something to that effect. And we do that in parallel alongside of the natural things that happen to us. We will die. We will pass on. If you are studying the original Christian doctrine, you'll know that Christians even taught, Jesus even taught reportedly. Um, I say Jesus reportedly because I don't know if Jesus was a real character, but if he was, uh, Christian tradition originally taught reincarnation. So as Saturn cuts us down and eats us, like Krempus eats the bad kids, we also cut him down and eat him, and we do this to put ourselves in alignment with nature. That's a beautiful thing. That's a scientific thing. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a thing that helps us to understand what mythology is really all about. Now, we all know Santa Claus. We know his gifts and his reindeer and his long white beard. We know that Odin is similar to Santa Claus. He lives in the north. He has the white beard. He has the eight-legged horse named Sleipnir. Eight legs, eight reindeer. Sleipnir in Old Norse means slippery. Sleds are slippery intentionally. You go fast, slide down the ice and the snow. So Odin effectively has eight reindeer, eight horses, if you will, or eight reindeer, if you will, eight horses, and he has a sleigh. Then you have Father Christmas. You have the shamanic tradition, shamanistic cultural tradition, the flygaric mushrooms, the Mushrooms hung on trees, the mushrooms growing under trees like presents, hallucinations of flying animals, hallucinations of elves coming down into uh, the yurt on the smoke, the smoking pit, the yurt with the pole, 
like Santa coming down the chimney and delivering gifts. But Santa Claus is changing in a lot of ways. Santa Claus is becoming really violent in, in popular culture. Violent Night, Fat Man, these movies, Bad Santa. Yeah, they're just, you know, it might be a funny movie or, you know, it's like kind of like a, a, a horror movie or something that's kind of, uh, you know, like an action movie. But it's changing how we see these characters. It's changing how the next generation will see these characters and these ideas where Santa Claus is, yes, certainly a positive character, a positive archetype. But Santa Claus can also be kind of devilish because if you take Krampus away from Santa, Santa's going to have to punish you. Santa's going to have to give you the, the coal and the beatings if you don't behave. Same thing with, you know, the Grinch. The Grinch is a character that if you... You watch the movies, you read the book about the Grinch. The Grinch is a, you know, a, a kind of a, an angry, depressed, you know, monster. But through the innocence of a child, the Grinch learns that Christmas is not all about presents and that it's about family and it's about, you know, being together. And presents come as a secondary part of that tradition, part of that belief. So the Grinch learns. But now the Grinch just like Krampus, they don't have, you know, the, the innocence of a, of a little child. They don't have the um, counterpart of Santa Claus. Now Krampus is a horror movie. The Grinch is now a horror movie coming out uh, this year. I don't know if it already came out, but it's a horror movie called The Mean One. So whether it's Santa Claus or the Grinch or Krampus, everything now is violent. Everything now is aggressive. Everything now is you know, turning these traditions into, well, n new traditions. And since they're turning these, these traditions into new traditions, uh, we have to wonder how that affects our culture. As we discussed last night on the show, we, we did a show called A Kinky Christmas, where we talked about how we have these weird kinky fetishes in our culture. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about the cultural BDSM of, of, of quarantines and a dominant submissive relationship with government and masking our faces and all of that. I'm talking about the weird fetishes that we have for Zelensky and Ukraine, the weird fetishes we have for the Ukrainian border, but not our own border. The weird fetishes we have for just like nobody can agree on anything in Congress, but we can all agree to stand up like it's North Korea or the Soviet Union and clap for Zelensky, or we can all agree to give money to Ukraine by the tens of billions of dollars with no oversight, no auditing, despite the fact that a lot of that money has been laundered back into the hands of the people who have given it, Republican and Democrat. Maybe that's why they're laundering the money. They found a new way to give themselves raises. Just give the money away altruistically to a foreign country that nobody can investigate. Nobody, you know, the average person isn't going to Ukraine, never has and never will go to Ukraine. You don't know what's happening there. No one knows what's happening to the money. Republicans and Democrats can just Launder it right back into their own pockets. And Sam, Sam Bankman-Fried, he isn't going to go to, to jail for any extended period of time. And if, if he does, I'm sure it'll be, a, it'll be a resort prison. He'll end up just like Ghislaine Maxwell. You know, judge quietly dropped the charges against her. Did you know that? Probably didn't know that, did you? In fact, did you know that the Nord Stream pipeline was not blown up by the Russians? That was just admitted yesterday by the mainstream press. I mean, think about these stories. Like Ghislaine Maxwell was was charged, I think, with five counts, five different counts, uh, dealing with children and 
child abuse and trafficking and sex abuse and all this kind of stuff. And a judge quietly reduced her sentence and dropped some of the some of the charges. Didn't hear about that though. Same thing with the Nord Stream pipeline. Oh, it was Russia, 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 even though Biden's on camera saying he's the one that was going to do it. And now it's been admitted, oh, well, I guess the Russians didn't do it. Did you also know that the Biden administration declassified documents showing the CIA worked with Lee Harvey Oswald when they claimed that they hadn't? That the CIA was, in essence, involved in the assassination of JFK? Did you know that the government has been watching the skies, watching the waters, watching the heavens for UFOs, UAPs, USOs for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades? Did you know that just this year, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of official reports have poured in through the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force about UAPs, officially? Did you know that according to a new study, according to the Washington Post, if you exercise 11 minutes a week, you drastically reduce your risks of hospitalization or death from COVID. So take an experimental shot, wear a mask, don't go to work, stay home, be depressed, be anxious, drink alcohol and take drugs and commit suicide, or take an 11-minute walk. Look at all of these admissions. Look at all of the things that we fetishize, masks and vaccines, we fetishized debunking UFOs. We, we fetishized debunking investigation into the Kennedy assassination outside of the Warren Commission. We fetishize debunking and fact-checking anything that anybody says in contrary to what the president says or the White House says. Turns out, all the things we thought were right. All you need to do is be healthy and you won't get COVID-19. Uh, the military has known about UFOs for a lot longer than you think. Read Timothy Good. The CIA had a part or a huge part or the main part in assassinating a sitting U.S. president. The U.S. government blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. It's almost like you think about the tradition of of Santa Claus in the shamanistic culture or the shamanic culture. Shamans wear these red and white gowns or robes because they are similar to the fly agaric mushroom, which if you eat that mushroom, and I don't know how they prepare it otherwise, but if you eat it, you'll probably hallucinate. Remember that story at Davos about how the World Economic Forum and world leaders were going to try hallucinogens and how they were going to do this as part of some... Uh, some experiment or some kind of like they they were trying out these new products by companies. It was just some weird. Um, I mean, it's the kind of stuff that always goes on behind the scenes. It's kind of weird uh, cult like thing. And you have to sit back and wonder, you look at these people, you look at the Silicon Valley tech people, you look at uh, people like Zuckerberg and, and you wonder if these people aren't microdosing at the very least or, They've got microchips in their brain or they're taking these kinds of substances all the time. Uh, you look at members of Congress and it's like if, if, if they are in their body physically and they have the ability to speak, they, they have to be hallucinating all the time. The, the, I mean, the media, the, the stuff that they report and the lies that they spread, 
These people have to be hallucinating all the time. Uh, it's almost like everybody, we ended the last segment like this, everybody's delusional. Everybody who has any power to do anything is delusional. Like they're possessed by something. It's like we have a, a culture of shamanism. I know people like to glorify shamanism, but I want you to think about what shamanism really is. Shamanism has always been, on one hand, going into other worlds, getting information, and coming back to help your people. You could go into other worlds, get information, come back, and only help yourself, though. That would be an abuse of those powers. But on the other hand, shamans usually aren't hot girls with double D boobies bouncing around at conferences with glitter on their cleavage. Shamans usually are people who are handicapped or crippled in some way. Shamans are people that are usually, and I don't mean this offensively, not that I would care anyway, but (laughs) I don't mean this offensively. uh, They are people who are actually retarded. So people that are deformed, people that are retarded, people that are mentally ill. These have always been the shamans. Shamans are people that maybe are missing their legs, maybe have had head trauma. Shamans are people that are a few, a few, um, you know, tools short of a full tool kit or toolbox. Okay, they're, they're, they're people that were in some way, shape, or form messed up. And when you look at Congress, when you look at the Senate, I mean, what do you see? You see Nancy Pelosi just like I mean, the woman left uh, the, 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 um, uh, the floor uh, after the Zelensky speech. And she's like literally shaking. It was the best speech I ever heard. Like she's freaking possessed by something. I mean, I can understand Billie Eilish's music where she's shaking and possessed by a demon better than I can understand Nancy Pelosi. She's like vibrating as she's walking. Now, maybe that's because she's old. Okay. But I mean, you look, look at some of these people. Look at uh, Senator Fetterman. I have respect for the U.S. concept. That's why I still I'll call him a senator. But otherwise, I, I, that guy's not a senator. But look at Senator Fetterman. The, the guy can't string sentences together. Look at Joe Biden. They have to set up fake White House sets for him to get his vaccine. He can't even finish scripts. He tells the press, they won't let me say that. He either has dementia or something is severely wrong with the guy. Joe Biden, Fetterman, Katie Hobbs here in Arizona, the woman who's like, um, I don't know anything good about Latino people, but they taught me a word one time. She, she literally said something like that at an event. What's one thing you can say about the, about the Latino community? Uh, um, they taught me a word one time. Just people that are brain dead, are racist, are ignorant, are stupid, are retarded, are handicapped, have had a stroke, people that have dementia, those have traditionally been the shamans. So it's no wonder when you look at Congress, when you look at political representatives, people that are running for office, people that have been quote unquote elected, it's no wonder you look at them and you're like, how is that person functioning day to day, let alone running the government or running their own office. They're, they're actually, they're like brain dead, not brainwashed. They're like brain dead. They're like, there's nothing going on up there. 
they don't qualify to be governors or congressmen or senators. They qualify to be shamans, though. And what do shamans do? Shamans take a lot of mushrooms, a lot of ayahuasca, a lot of hallucinogens. And they see things that ain't there to the rest of us. They see the world ending by 2030 because of climate change. Look at Cortez. This is our World War II. The world's going to end by 2030. She's a shaman. Joe Biden's a shaman. Fetterman's a shaman. Katie Hobbs is a shaman. You just go down the list. These are just people that really get on my nerves. But go down the list. All these people are very shamanistic. They're all hallucinating. They're all tripping. Whether it's because of a stroke or it's because of dementia or it's because they're just rabid. They're, they're more like shamans. And in shaman culture, they take these substances, they go into the other world, they come back, and what do they do with that knowledge? They help people. But these shamans are going into the other world, they're taking information, they're helping themselves. Which is a corruption and a perversion of whatever divinity could be extracted from shamanic culture. Shamans see a lot of things. They might see flying animals. They might see therianthropic beings like Krampus, which is this human-animal creature. And those therianthropic beings are usually there to, to help and to assist. They might be scary on the surface when you see them or you read about them, but they're there to help. So it's almost like our shamans are going into the other world. They're meeting with these therianthropic Krampus-like beings, and they're coming back with knowledge, not how to help people, but how to abuse and how to beat and how to torture people. It's like, it's like this inverted form of shamanism. And it's, it's like we, we see this stuff, we understand this, the, the concept of what I'm suggesting here. And this is basically the beholding of a pale horse. Because the pale horse, when we realize it, brings, when we see the leaves dropping, we know that death is coming. We know that... Winter is coming, the fourth part of the year. Hell is coming. Hunger is coming. Death, the sword, beasts, all these things are coming. And that's what we know is coming when we see our shaman leaders go into the other world and come back with the whip of Krampus to whip us into submission. That's kind of like the new, the new mythos is what it is. It's, it's the new... Um, cultural foundation it's our new tradition and in the same way that we're taking the idea of santa claus and the idea of krampus and the idea of the grinch and we're just molding all these things together and we're not looking at the the archetypical ideas of what they represent you know we're taking shamanism and new age ufo communities and we're turning it into basically prostitution and and hot girls running around and in government, you just have retarded people, people who've had strokes, people who can't talk, people who have dementia, people who are just bigots. And they're the ones going into the other world. They're the ones coming back. And Krampus, the therianthrope, is telling them, this is what you do. This is how you help your people. They're making a deal with these entities, these demons. Whatever. It's, it's a concept. It's an idea. It's not a contract that's actually being signed, but it's an idea. Like Santa Claus is an idea. All of these things, all of these, um, these ideas and these things and these concepts, when, you, if, 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 when you're able to step back from the, uh, the tribalism, when you're able to step back from the religious 
and from the traditional elements and just look at all of these things from a, from a neutral, unbiased point of view, you can see how our government is very much like the Grinch, not understanding how Christmas works, understanding how America works, thinking it's all about presents and money. And it's not about that. Those presents and that money are all just a byproduct of, well, family and culture in both the case of Christmas and America. And our government officials understand that. They're like the Grinch. Other officials are kind of like shamans. They go into the other world, they meet with theranthropes like Krampus, and they come back and they're ready to whip and to abuse us because we've all been naughty. But that inversion that has occurred has also caused the naughty list and the nice list to be switched. So if you're a good person, if you're a decent person, you get treated like you deserve coal. If you're a bad person, if you're a criminal, if you're a degenerate, then you get treated like you're a saint. And that's what you see. That's what you, all around us, that's what you see. And everything that we're told, whether it's Nord Stream or JFK or UFOs or COVID-19 or whatever, it's like the mainstream media and the alternative media. It's like our government officials, for the most part, everybody is hallucinating. Everybody is tripping every day, all the time. And we just slowly find out, oh, the U.S. blew up Nord Stream. Oh, JFK was assassinated by the CIA. Oh, UFOs are a thing, and the military's been watching them for a long time. Oh, COVID-19, if you walk 11 minutes a week, that's a week, not a day, you won't get COVID. You won't go to the hospital. You won't die. Just slowly but surely the information comes out. Look at China. Look what's happening in China. China finally protests, biggest protest since Tiananmen Square, and suddenly zero COVID policy is rolled back. And government officials say, oh, by the way, you can just, it's not that bad. You just stay home and you'll, you'll be healthy. You'll be fine. And then suddenly the World Health Organization comes out and says, we're watching new variants in China that could be deadlier than the rest. So the Chinese people need to be careful. So they protest. The government rolls back things. People become complacent. And then here comes the who to step in and to bring back the restrictions. But it's not the Chinese government doing it. It's the who doing it. It's all just like in the 50s where they said all these diseases were spreading and it turns out there weren't diseases spreading. It was all made up by Beijing. It's all a lie. But later, when they admit that, nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to realize it. It's like we're all in some kind of alternate state of reality. It's like we're all in some kind of shamanic trance. It's like we're all delusional or something. It's everything you look at, everything you interact with, everything you, it's just everything's an, an inversion of reality. There, there, there's no guidepost for anything. There's no baseline for anything. There's no bottom to how far we'll sink, to how far we'll go willingly, consciously. That's a very disturbing thing. When we come back from break here in a second, I'm going to get through as much of this as possible. The origins of, well, Midwinter, Yule, December, Christmas, all those things. If you read my book, Occult Arcana, or if you go to the website right now, you can get a copy of it, thesecretteachings.info. I have a really big section in that book on holidays. I break down each month of the year, the origins of the month, uh, the word of, of, of the, uh, the month, like December, for example, stemming from the Latin decim, it's the 10th month in Rome, our 12th month. And I talk about the holidays associated with those months and the changing of the seasons. That's just one section of that massive book. Get a copy at thesecretteachings.info. Support the show. I'd really appreciate it. Leave us a review on any podcast player you listen to the show on, like Apple Podcasts, 
and stay tuned. One more segment coming up before the Christmas break here on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Before we start this final segment before the Christmas break, I want to thank every single listener who tunes into this show every night, whether it's on GroundZero.radio after Clyde Lewis, or you listen to the show in the Secret Teachings Archive for free, or you are a subscriber to the show, so you don't have to listen to those advertisements and you get a lot more with your subscription. I really appreciate you supporting this show because if you don't listen to the show, whether it's live, whether it's in the archive for free or in the subscription archive, then we really don't have a reason to do the kinds of things that we do here on the show. We don't really have a reason to do it if nobody's listening, even though this is good therapy for me. So I really appreciate it. I'm sincere about that. Everybody who's bought a book this year, everybody who has subscribed to the show, people who have emailed me, who have asked questions and given me uh, new perspectives or new ideas, if it weren't for you, we would not be here. So I really, sincerely, truly am thankful, am grateful, and appreciate all of that support. Because, again, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here, and it's because of you that I do my due diligence to find the things and to come up with the ideas that I find and come up with uh, to do this show Monday through Friday. So uh, just a little bit of, of uh, 
my feelings, a little bit of my love, a little bit of my gratefulness for you as an audience. I really, really appreciate you. So let's look at some of the things about Christmas that we might not think so much about, like the month of December. And we'll look at some of the traditions of Christmas here in this segment. As much time as we have uh, left here, we should be able to get through a lot of this. December was originally the 10th month of the year because December, of course, comes from decim, which means 10, like to decimate something, to reduce by 10. December was originally the 10th month of the year, and the Romans consecrated it to Saturn. The Anglo-Saxons called it midwinter monat, or the midwinter, or the Yule monat, or the Yule month. They collectively referred to December and January, which are the months associated with Janus, for which the month of January is named. Janus sees the old world and the new world, the old year and the new year. Janus is a god of two faces, a two-faced god. So the Romans saw December and January, this transitional period, as a time of Janus, and through which traditional Christmas festivals were celebrated, uh, largely because of, well, the cycles of the sun and the way in which uh, the seasons change and we move into a period of darkness and cold and death and chaos and behold a pale horse. But along with the pale horse also comes eight reindeer or an eight-legged horse named Sleipnir, which is Odin's horse. Uh, the Icelandic tradition, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this correctly, is Ylir, Ylir. Uh, another tradition, uh, the Romans, as I said, collectively referred to December and January uh, as the midwinter month, uh, but it was also the time of Giuli very similar to the Icelandic Ylir. Uh, Giuli is spelled G-I-U-L-I. Now, Giuli was the time of the wild hunt, whether you were in a Germanic uh, country, a Nordic uh, uh, tradition, Nordic country. There's the Scandinavian Feast of Lights and then something called the Julbach. So these are some new words that you might not have heard before. You know about Yule, you know about Christmas, of course. You know about Saturnalia. But there's a tradition called Giuli, and there's a tradition called Julbach, and there's a tradition called the Feast of Lights. Now, Yule, as we know Yule, like Julbach, Yule is derived from the old Nordic Yol, or the Anglo-Saxon Giel. Generally, it is a time for ceremonies commemorating the birth and rebirth of the sun, or rituals for those seeking protection from evil influences. Those evil influences, much like the jack-o'-lanterns and the Christmas lights and the Imbolc candles and the Beltane fires and the Samhain fires and the Letha and the Luknasad fires, are darkness, cold, malevolence, general evil. On the 17th day of December, the Roman festival of Saturnalia began as a celebration and it proceeded for eight days through the winter solstice Yule. So this would uh, kind of be like, well, uh, kind of like Hanukkah takes place over, over a, a, a period of a couple of days. From the 17th, Saturnalia, to the 24th, uh, 24th, 25th, is the festival of lights known as Hanukkah. Uh, some sources specify the festival as ending on the 23rd, uh, midnight between the two days being the difference in determining the length of the festival, 
uh, if only seven days, because this is something I, I was trying to figure out. They say Hanukkah is eight days, but technically it's seven days. But I guess if you, you know, you figure that it lasts the whole night until midnight, I guess it's almost it's into the eighth day. Uh, but but either way, uh, it is a festival um, relating to the seven divine rays of light, which were the creative forces at the beginning of all time, beginning of all things as a geometrical angle uh, and component to that, of course. Uh, in countries of the north, and specifically in Scandinavian countries, the days we call Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are known as Yule Fest, like Yule Block or Jule Block, Jule Fest, J-U-L-F-E-S-T. The time period following that festival is called Raw Nights or Smudging Nights, both because of the harshness of winter and man's attempt to avert cold, darkness, and evil spirits. So raw because of darkness and cold, and smudging because we would you know, smudge or light incense to ward off the evil spirits, like the jack-o'-lanterns. These days are better known as the 12 nights of Christmas, and in contemporary times we celebrate them in the lead-up to the Holy Night. Uh, before it was the time period uh, after Christmas, now we celebrate it before Christmas. Uh, it was around 1170 that the term Holy Night, Weihnachten, emerged in the German language. Folklorist Adolf Spamer, who wrote Christmas in Old and New Times, believed that this night was a translation of the Catholic Nox Sancta, Holy Night. According to Spamer, the word Jul, as in Julbulk or Julfest, had various meanings, from shout of joy to the Old Nordic Jek, which means to speak, and appropriately to the Middle High German word for invocation of the sun. In other words, Yule is a word that means, in German, to conjure or to invoke the sun. The Mass of Christ, the Christ Mass, is a Mass held to welcome the birth of the sun. It is the same thing. Traditional rites during the 12 nights of Christmas include smudging to call upon the favor of the gods in vanquishing evil and in bringing back the sun. Midwinter is a really dark, dreary time, but it maintains a promise of life, like that white or black dot in the black or white part of the yin-yang. Midwinter is dark and dreary, but that promise of life, that return of greening power, is what keeps us vital and keeps us hopeful that we will be saved from this darkness, this cold, uh, this hell, uh, the pale horse. In the book Strange Superstition and Magical Practices, William J. Fielding, really great book if you've never read it, Strange Superstition and Magical Practices, says the original meaning of the word Yule has been traced to the Icelandic hijol, or wheel, indicating that at this period the sun wheels or turns the winter solstice. The sun controls the winter solstice. The sun, you know, the winter solstice is the turning of the year. It's like a pivotal point in the turning of that wheel. So the winter solstice, as you know, is celebrated as Christmas, the birth of Jesus, uh, or numerous other gods or, uh, you know, um, other characters, other deities. It's known as maybe Yule to the pagans uh, and Wiccans. But it's just a time for traditional rituals, and it has a lot to do with nature and things like that. It's the time when the Holly King dies, god of the waning year, when he's conquered by his brother, the Oak King, god of the waxing year. The pagan winter goddess is known as the Old One, 
lover of the green man, who is the oak king. Together, the oak king, the green man, and the old one, the goddess of winter, are known as Frau Hale or Hiladna and Votan. Their plants are mistletoe, green winter palms, and ivy, which is a sacred plant symbolizing the stairs of heaven. Ivy is dedicated to the Egyptian god Osiris, who is green. Uh, interestingly enough, in, um, in Greece, they used flaxseed because flaxseed is called Osiris, like Osiris. So it relates to the green god of agriculture. Uh, there's a, a, uh, a title given to the darkest time of the year, the winter solstice, uh, that something that I learned recently in the last couple of years called Mother's Night. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of the time of the sun god being born or reborn. In the book called Pagan Christmas, The Plants, Spirits, and Rituals at the Origins of Yuletide, a really good book if you can find a copy, uh, it says that the Germans began their new year with Mother's Night, or Morinet. This, of course, made it very easy for early Christian missionaries to associate that day with the day Mother Mary gave birth to the Christ child. So, as we follow the tradition of Christmas all the way through, we read in Jesus Christ, Son of God, by David Feidler, another really good book, that this celebration that we know as Christmas obviously represents the solstice, and the solstice itself represents, so they are one and the same, represents the rebirth of the cyclical year and the renewal of time. Before the adoption of December 25th, David writes, as the birthday of Jesus, the spiritual son, the nativity was celebrated on January 6th, the day of Epiphany, or manifestation of the Lord. So as David Feidler wrote, December 25th is the birthday of Jesus, the spiritual son. Before that, though, January 6th is when the nativity was celebrated, the Feast of Epiphany. And I believe if that's not the exact day, it's around the same time as the Dionysian wine miracles where water is turned into wine. Dionysus or Bacchus, the wine gods of uh, Greece and Rome. Has nothing to do with Christmas, but January 6th, that's a pretty important holiday nowadays, isn't it? Adolf Spammer, who I quoted a moment ago, refers to um, the third king of Norway, Hakon the Good, who lived uh, sometime in the 900s, 900 AD, 934 through 960, I think was his, uh, was his time of, of, of life, and uh, said that uh, Adolf Spammer said that he was responsible for situating Christmas between the traditional jewel celebrations. Uh, the authors of the Pagan Christmas book explain the same, how Hakon merged the names Jule and Fest into the Jule Fest or the Yule Fest. Other sources refer to the Roman Emperor Justinian, a convert to Christianity, who changed the date of the feast from January 6th to December 25th in 542 CE to honor the birth of Christ. Now, if you want to learn a little bit more about the history of that, and the unconquered son, or Dies Natali Invicti Solus, the unconquered son's birthday, which is Mithra or Mithras, you can check out my book, Occult Arcana, at thesecretteachings.info, uh, and you'll find all of that information and a lot more. And a quote by St. Gregory. St. Gregory said, 
The Bretons have fixed days for feasts and sacrifices. Leave their feasts and do not restrain their sacrifices. Leave them the joy of their festival, but from the state of paganism, draw them gently and progressively into the state of Christ. So that's essentially, that's in essence, how Christmas came to be celebrated around this time of the year, uh, around the Yule Fest. Now, when we look at some of the Christmas traditions, we look at some of the things like trees and greens and presents and ornaments. Uh, Let's take a look at mistletoe and holly, very traditional Christmas images, uh, images that have been used for hundreds of years. Mistletoe and holly are natural forms of living vegetation. You can pluck them, bring them inside, and they're not going to die quickly. They're used to remember that death and winter are one and the same, and that death is something that will come once the leaves start to change. But since mistletoe and holly can survive that cold, dark time of the pale horse and darkness, you bring them inside to remember that at the end of all of this dark, cold winter stuff, we will have once again the sun return and the energy of of life brought back to the world, the essence of life brought back to the world, and that uh, things will get warm and things will get... uh, uh, the days will get long again, and we'll be able to you know, plant seeds and uh, grow more food, and everything is really good as a result of that. So that's the Savior. That's basically Jesus coming to save us. When you look at something like holly, you look at something like mistletoe, you look at the colors, uh, you see these, these colors red and green, and red and green Christmas colors, they actually represent uh, female energy, the red berries of the holly, female energy, menstruation, the blood of childbirth, things like that. Uh, The prickly ends represent the phallus and, of course, fertility. Uh, The green is the green man, which is the phallus as well, the green man or the oak king uh, or the holly king. Holly. That's why it's the holly king. So uh, we have these these things like uh, holly and mistletoe. We also have Christmas trees, which is a Germanic tradition. Uh, It's kind of like a pyramid build a pyramid with lights or a ziggurat with lights, and you put a star at the top, uh, a finished, not an unfinished pyramid. Christmas trees come from the Germanic traditions. Uh, Christmas trees are things that, you know, largely now are artificial, so you don't really get the same kind of an idea out of a Christmas tree as, you know, you would see, you brought bring them inside when they're alive and well, and you water them and take care of them. And then over time, you know, they start to die and that shows you that it's the death of winter, but outside things start to come back to life. So that's kind of a, you know, a positive thing. And that's, you know, it's, it's death, but it's also, it's a different kind of death because it's the death of winter and you hope, hopefully, you know, you want winter to be over. So uh, the sun returns. One of the earliest written records of the modern Christmas tree comes from the year 1419, from the Baker's Guild in Freiburg. Other accounts relate that the fir tree was the first used to have this celebration in the um, Alsatian town of Strasbourg in 1604. Since some smaller plants look like the fir tree, I have a really small tree. It's, I think it's like a little tiny pine tree. Uh, but some plants look like the fir tree. Uh, they were called Christmas trees, so you don't need this big tree. A lot of little plants will do just fine if you're looking to follow the traditions. Although all this tradition of Christmas trees is very long-standing, um, it was never a church-sanctioned practice. It was adopted to incorporate pagans into Christianity, however. 
Uh, Aurelius Augustinus informs us of the newly formed uh, Christmas church doctrine. Uh, He said, do not kill the heathens, just convert them. Do not cut their holy trees, consecrate them to Jesus Christ. So, well, Jesus was crucified on the wood made from a tree, we can assume. Contrary to popular belief, holy trees were actually forbidden to be decorated. So when we decorate a tree, we're actually doing something that traditionally has has been disallowed, has been uh, forbidden. Not allowed to decorate the sacred trees. Certainly not allowed to cut the trees out of the grounds. And uh, trees have traditionally, depending on what kind of tree, trees have traditionally been protected uh, and the woods have been protected so people couldn't decorate them and couldn't cut them down. Um, in fact, you can actually read, the, read about something similar to this in the Bible in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. So even in the Bible, they were cutting trees and decorating trees. And so that's just an interesting Bible verse. Uh, trees, we have uh, this celebration of Christmas with trees because of the green, the vegetation veneration, but also trees are considered wise and powerful, like in the myth of Osiris. So we're basically bringing the green man in the pillar in the tree inside of our homes. And as we do that, we're bringing the essence of the God inside of our homes and hoping that that God will protect us. Another interesting story about mistletoe and holly is that mistletoe is the plant that was used to kill Balder. Uh, Balder is one of a number of fertility gods who is killed, in this case, by mistletoe. He goes to the underworld and then he comes back to life, just like Ameterasu or Ameterasu, and just like Jesus and just like Atis and a lot of other deities. Uh, this is a pattern of life, death, resurrection, and uh, it's a cyclical pattern. Uh, it is springtime, summertime, autumn, winter, or autumn, winter, and then the following spring. So it's birth, maturity, death, and then rebirth. Whether that's Atis, Osiris, Jesus, Adonis, Tammuz, Bacchus, Dionysus, Apollo, all the names. Uh, it all has uh, the same, uh, same story to be told. Now, Saturnalia, as I mentioned earlier, and the Lords of Misrule, was a festival, a celebration. They, people exchange gifts, get drunk uh, on the wine of Dionysus and Bacchus, and where people changed roles, where slaves would wear pylos or paleus, which is a hat like a skull cap denoting freedom and higher status in society. These hats were also called uh, meter or mitre, which are the hats worn by the Pope, the fish hat. So there's a lot of fish imagery associated with Christmas in that regard as well. Then you have Santa Claus, who we talked about a little bit on the show Wednesday and a little bit tonight. Santa we know is largely because of Macy's department store and Coca-Cola. 1931, Santa acquired his widespread contemporary image from a marketing strategy by the artist Harold Sundblom. Santa became jolly and his red and white colors, which had existed before, but were now basically the colors of Coca-Cola. And uh, Santa Claus is basically the Oak King. He is the green man. Santa Claus uh, smokes a lot of herbs in his pipe. He brings oranges and other fruits and nuts and seeds uh, and little toys to children. We also talked on Wednesday, if you go back and listen to that show about 
the differences between Father Christmas, the various saints like Sinterklaas uh, or Saint Nicholas, Saint Nicholas. Uh, we talked about um, Saint or Sanct, Sanct S A N K T, Saint Nicholas. Um, I believe that's in like the Netherlands, Germany, and Austria. And then in Italy, his name was San Nicola, kind of like Coca-Cola. Uh, and then these names, um, just various versions of them all throughout the world. They all have the same thing, though. If you look into, there's a really interesting story about Wotan, uh, these Nordic traditions. Wotan was known as the ghostly rider who led a ghostly army in a storm during the 12 days around New Year's Day. So these were the smudging nights, usually held after Christmas. Now we hold them leading up to Christmas. So Odin or Wotan would fly through the air with a ghostly army, and he would do this around the time of Christmas. So this is like Santa flying in a sleigh, of course. This is like um, uh, the shaman tradition, flying reindeer and elves, and it all has to do with the nighttime ride of Odin or Wotan or, well, Mr. Winter, Father Time, Father Christmas, and all of these other names, uh, bringing his botanical gifts, bringing his uh, gifts of the forest, etc. So as you proceed through learning about this stuff and reading about this stuff, I've got all of this again in my book, Occult Arcana, uh, you get to the story of the fly agaric mushroom. So you learn about the mushroom as this, well, it's a very famous, popular mushroom. You can see uh, old depictions of it in Christmas cards and whatnot. The red, of course, relates to the female essence, the white to the male essence, so menstrual blood and then sperm. Uh, The white symbolizes purity and snow as well as it does semen. Uh, The red represents menstruation, the blood of birth, uh, and it represents, you know, love and femininity as well. So, you know, a lot of people speculate that the mushrooms that were consumed by shamans induced states of hallucination, altered states of consciousness, where they saw elves and they saw reindeer flying. Um, the shamans would come down the pole uh, through the, the, the smoking hole in the pit or in the yurt. Uh, this is like, you know, Santa coming down the chimney to deliver gifts. Shamans would place the dried mushrooms on a tree. This was kind of like ornaments. Another tradition of ornaments is the witch's ball, which was a kind of like a scarecrow. It was kind of like a, like a pumpkin, a, a jack-o'-lantern. It's meant to ward off evil and witches and, and things like that. So that's Santa Claus. That's the ornaments, the presents, and all that. We know, again, Sleipnir was the horse of Odin, eight legs, like uh, you know the eight reindeer of Santa. And the Sleipnir, the name means slippy, like a slide. So that's Santa's sleigh, Santa's sled. Uh, and when you when you just go through this this whole thing about uh, Christmas time, and it gets weirder and weirder. Um, you know, over the years, people have always told me you got to you got to look at the shamanistic stuff. You got to look at shamans and the the uh, the the, the fly agaric mushroom. Uh, you got to look at what was it called the amanita mushroom or, or something like that. You got to look at these mushrooms. You got to look at these stories. You got to this is this is what Christmas is all about. But you know, ultimately. Christmas isn't just about mushrooms and shamans. Uh, And Christmas isn't about gifts, obviously. And it's not about, it's not always even about Jesus. Uh, You know, Christians might take offense to that. But I mean, what's it about? It's about family, right? It's about family and getting together. 
And that's what the Grinch learns. The Grinch learns that it's about coming together and it's about community and friends and loved ones and all that. And the presents are secondary. Presents are a secondary thing. The Grinch learns that. It would be nice if our political representatives would learn that instead of embodying uh, the, the darkest side of the Grinch and the darkest side of Krampus. Uh, it would be nice if our, our leaders would, um, were people that, well, weren't, weren't shamans in a way. I mean, our, a lot of our leaders are like shamans. They're crippled. They're suffering from dementia, brain damage, physical ailments. They visit the other side uh, and commune with theorianthropes like Krampus, and then they return not to help us, but to whip us into servitude. Suffering from hallucinations, delusions, mental illness, and, and, you know, we don't really know what to believe. We don't know really what to think, what is real, what's not real. It's like we're all suffering from that shamanic trance state, except there's no benefit of it. Uh, we all suffer as a result of uh, having our perceptions of reality distorted and altered like this. Uh, and that is the work of, uh, let's call it evil or dark forces or whatever the case is. Uh, you know, one of the other things, by the way, that uh, your government is giving you for Christmas is a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill uh, where a lot more money is going to Ukraine. And if you read, uh, it says that $575 million, that's a lot of money, uh, is made available for family planning, reproductive health. L listen to this. I'm going to read this actually from the start. Uh, line one, uh, part three of this act. This is section 1550. Not less than $575 million should be made available for family planning reproductive health, including in areas where population growth threatens biodiversity or endangered species. Kind of sounds like that whole Agenda 21, Agenda 30 thing. Kind of sounds like population control. Kind of sounds like eugenics, doesn't it? And this is what our leaders and this is what politicians and presidents and prime ministers and powerful people that we think are more intelligent, that are smarter than us. This is what they do. Their leaders were followers. Their masters were slaves. Their lords were serfs. That's how they clearly see themselves. They get to be the arbiters of what is right and wrong, what is fair and unfair, what is just and unjust. Just like the Grinch. The Grinch doesn't understand Christmas. He thinks the presents are the source of the who's joy. So he takes the gifts. And he wants to smash all the gifts and destroy the source of their joy because he's upset. He doesn't understand. This is what government essentially has become. They want to give away all of our money, give away all of our wealth, because they think that looting and giving money away so it can be laundered back to them is somehow going to crush the American spirit. But that's not why America is America. The people that do this kind of thing, they position themselves as these gods or these goddesses or these demigods they have a right to rule a divine right to rule at least that's what it seems like from their actions and the things they do and say they almost position themselves to be these mystical magical like beings almost like shamans going into other worlds getting information from the experts and the professionals and then coming coming and telling us what we need to do and what we should believe you know shamanism is at one of the 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 core pillars of our christmas traditions and our government shares in a lot of these shamanic or shamanistic qualities. A lot of our leaders are crippled. They're suffering from dementia, brain damage, physical elements. They go to the other side to commune with therianthropes like Krampus, and they come back not to help us, but to whip us into servitude for being naughty. But how do they define naughty? What is naughty and what is nice when you invert the definitions and the meanings of those words? 
I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Behold a pale horse and eight reindeer tonight on the show. Please grab a copy of one of my books. Please subscribe. Thank you to everybody who already has done those things. My book, Occult Arcana, I think you'd really enjoy if you liked tonight's show. Have a great weekend. Christmas, Yule, Yule Fest or Jewel Fest, Hanukkah, Winter Solstice, whatever it is that you celebrate. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast next week. We'll also have some best of shows in the archive over this weekend.